0: Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2. It's it's always unbelievable to me as as I study to to bring God's Word on Sunday night when we're preaching uh, verse by verse through a book. And I see the wording and what's taking place was written as many years ago as as it was and how it applies even more today than the day that it was written in and that's pretty much where we are tonight as we look at our scripture uh, in our last study of the book of second peter the last words that peter will be seen writing before he is killed for his stance for the lord we saw peter giving examples of where god had had enough of sin and god brought judgment Peter are told the the angels, Uh, Peter told of angels who listened to Satan and rebelled against God in heaven. Peter spoke of the great flood in Noah's days, and then he spoke of how God did not spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their sins. Peter gave these illustrations to help us readers and us today to understand that the evil that we see happening is not going unnoticed by God. Amen? I I don't know, Do, do certain things just resonate with you that are happening in the world? And no matter how many times you try to stick them in a box and put them up on a shelf, because there's nothing really you can really actually do, they just still just grind and grind and they come to the forefront of your mind. As I thought about this and as I wrote this, Understanding again that nothing happens, nothing is going to happen that goes unnoticed by God. I thought of nearly 66 million abortions performed in America. It didn't go unnoticed by God. It has not gone unnoticed by God. I mean, there's only so much that we can do, and there's only so many things that I can say as a pastor about that and about that industry. But, you know, at the end of the day, it has not gone unnoticed by God. God sees it. We learn that he will surely deal with sins and wickedness of mankind in his time. That's the hard part that we have dealing with, isn't it? In his time, he's going to deal with it. But we also saw verses 7 through 10a that God does and will risk rescue the righteous among the wicked tonight Peter will paint a picture of what wicked evil people look like don't get mad at me I didn't paint this picture okay so tonight we're going to pick up in chapter 2 and <clears throat> verse 10b it says bold Arrogant people, they do not tremble when they blaspheme the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater in their their might and power do not bring slanderous charge against them before the Lord. Angels don't say anything. They don't say bring any charges against them. But these people, like irrational animals... Creatures of, of instinct born to be caught and destroyed speak blasphemies about things that they don't understand and their destruction, they, they, they too will be destroyed. Suffering harm as payment for unrighteousness. They consider it a pleasure to, a crow, to a carouse in the daytime. They are blots and, and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions as they feast with you having eyes full of adultery, and always looking for sin, seducing unstable people, and with a heart trained in greed, are cursed children. By abandoning their path, they they have gone astray and have followed the the path of Balaam, the son of Boser, who who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but received a a rebuke for his transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we come to you asking forgiveness for our sins. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come tonight as a body of believers. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for who you allowed us to be. So, Lord, right now, I pray that you would enlighten us through your word and through your scriptures, that we might be better off to serve you. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, amen. Amen. Tonight I want us to remember that Peter is talking about judgment that's coming to false teachers. Judgment that's coming to false teachers. They have secretly infiltrated the church by agreeing with what the church says they believe, and now they are slowly dismantling what they can before they're found out and removed. If they if they're found out, now let, let me drive this home again. What is it? What is, what does it take to remove such a person? To be spiritually knowledgeable. To see it and understand what you're seeing. Be able to spot a false teacher. Amen. Now, you, when you spot a false teacher, you don't, you need a, Oh, hold on a second, I, I'm, I'm going to beat you up, I'm going to drag you, no, no, you just go to those who are in an authority and say, look, you know, I don't think this guy's, I don't think he's dealing with a full deck. Has that ever happened since I've been here? Have, has a person ever been put into a position where they're, they're able to teach false teaching? No, we're going to get that here in a second. There's, there's a safeguard put in place. Have there been people who have come to this church and wanted wanted to be put into a position where they are teaching? And because of the safeguards that we do have in place, they weren't allowed since I've been your pastor? Yes. As a matter of fact, one of of the craziest stories I've ever heard in all the ministry was Dr. Jerry White, my last pastor. I may have told some class this before. But he was sitting in his office one day, and his wife, who was our secretary, comes in and says, Jerry, there's somebody who who wants to to speak with you, uh, which was her pastor. And uh, he said, okay, well, let him in. So the guy says he's riding by the church, and the Holy Spirit told him to go in and talk to the pastor and that he needed to preach Sunday morning for him. Y'all know that's not happening here, right? <laughs> and this, listen to me. In all honesty, this guy was sincere. Justin, he was sincere. He said, the Holy Spirit came, told me when I was driving by the church that I need to speak with the pastor and I needed to preach for you Sunday morning. And the pra- pastor never blinked an eye. He never cracked. he I mean, he was just knee-jerk. He said, well, you know, the Holy Spirit didn't tell me that. You have a nice day. Amen? I mean, what, what, what took place there? What, what I just said a second ago, what stops, what stops these people, these false teachers from coming into the church? Scriptural knowledge. That's not just me. That, that's you. That's all of you. You need to be on the watch for it. Brother Kyle, listen, you you embellishing a little bit. It's not that bad. Oh, yes, it is. It really is. You, you would not believe what some churches in Savannah believe and they are teaching from the pulpit. They're taking scripture and twisting it and the people in the congregation are just gobbling it up. It, it's unbelievable to me. So understand, you, we all need to be scripturally knowledgeable. Well, What does our scripture say about false teachers tonight? Remember, I'm painting a picture. Okay, I didn't paint this picture. I'm just gonna, you know, unfold it like or, or or peel it like an onion and show you as scriptures told me. So don't get mad. All right. So if if some of this applies to you, don't don't get mad, Corey. You're not gonna get mad, are you? Okay. Verse 10 tells us that these people are bold and arrogant people. All right, hold on a second. Are there any bold and arrogant people in our in our congregation? Are there? Any bold, I'm not going to answer that. You answer that for yourself. Bold and arrogant people. For a person, church, to be bold, they must really believe what they believe is the right thing to believe. Once they have just a little bit of knowledge to support their belief, they they align themselves with others with a like mind who can give them what is considered to them as an enlightened state of thoughts. They might even say that, that they, they were spoken to by God or angels or, or some heavenly being. <clears throat> what we have to see and understand here, church, is that these people, these false teachers, will not be able to support what they believe with Scripture. Listen to me again. Vicky. you paying attention, aren't you? These false teachers, when they get in... Sister Sue, they'll have, they'll, they'll spurt this, but they will not be able to support what they believe with Scripture. Then what in the world are they going to use to support their beliefs? Their opinions. They can't support it with Scripture. What else are you going to support it with? Well, I just, I just feel, I just think, I, I just, I, listen, Gary, I, I just believe I believe, you know, with all my heart, they'll, I mean, they'll get real sincere. I just believe with everything and all my heart and everything that's in me, but they can't support it with Scripture. This is a very dangerous place to be. And I can tell you that Satan is very successful with using opinions. He has tried to use these opinions to supersede Scripture here in this very church while I've been here as your pastor. Listen to me. Y'all have heard this before. God could care less what your opinion is. The Word of God stands. No opinion of e- any man. Boy, Brother Kyle, he's a good man. I don't care. I don't care how good the person is. If their opinion does not line up with Scripture, it's null and void. Do do you hear me? Now, church, let me ask you this question. Where does arrogance and pride, or, or where does arrogance come from? The kind of arrogance that Peter says that's inside these false teachers. I just gave you the answer. Pride, pride. Well, hold on a second. We see something else about these false teachers in verses ten b through eleven. Look, look at look at verse ten b. Uh, verse ten b says, "Bold and arrogant people. They do not tremble." when they blaspheme the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. Now, what we are thinking here when we think about the the words glorious ones or glorious beings is not what you would think. What this scripture is speaking about is those who are in political positions for the right reasons, who were slandered and blasphemed. John Phillips says these people despise great, uh, uh, despise the great, and are not afraid to speak out against e- e- uh, evil against these dignities. Now tell me, tell me this is not the world we're living in today, church? There have been two men. Two men in my lifetime of 51 years that I believe have wanted the very best for our country, who have tried to steer our country in the right direction. Two. Two. They didn't have their, interest, their own interest at heart. They had the interest of the people at heart. I believe there's been two men who've tried to do that in my 51 years. And they both experience unbelievable scrutiny. Even to this day. Even to this day, is this not the day that we're living in? It really is. Now, we see something else about these false teachers uh, in verses 12 and 13. Look at verse 12. It says, but these people are irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed. They speak blasphemies about things they don't understand. And in their destruction, they, they they will... be like, they, they, will be dis, they will be destroyed. Verse 13 says this, Suffering harm as the payment of, for unrighteousness, they consider it a pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions as they feast with you. According to Jewish, Jewish, Jewish tradition, who, did you, who would you sit down at a table with? Those that you were in like-minded with. If you did not share like-mindedness, you did not sit down at the same table. Did the Pharisees and the Sadducees normally sit down at the same table? Absolutely not. If we look at the Scripture, if we look at the Gospels, in one of the Gospels it says, they set their differences aside for the cause of killing Christ. Y'all remember that? So we see in, in verses 12 and 13... This is how John Phillips describes the people Peter just wrote about. He says Peter describes these people as being similar to, to natural brute beasts. They are governed by mere natural instincts. They are little better than animals. The King James version of the Bible uses the word brute to describe these uh, to describe these false teachers, which indicates someone who is dull and irrational. In other words, these apostate teachers having abandoned divine revelation for human reasoning end up abandoning all sense of logic for downright, and he uses this word, I'm not, stupidity. Stupidity. He says that stupidity, Philip says, is revealed by their incessant outburst against things they do not understand. Church, what we see here is these false teachers know just enough to make themselves known for their own ignorance. In other words, got to watch them. When people come into the church, we are to love them. It doesn't matter what they look like, what they dress like, Courtney, what they smell like, if they've been hunting all day. I mean, we're to love them when they come in. We're to love them where they are, amen? But we're to watch them to make sure that they are not these people that Satan that, that Peter's talking about. We need to watch them, in love, watch them. Now, <clears throat> Peter rounds out; he, he rounds out his uh, denunciation of these deceivers with a fivefold description of their conduct in verse fourteen. Look at verse fourteen. Verse fourteen says, "Having eyes full of adultery." and always looking for sin, seducing unstable people with hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Those are some pretty damning statements. Number one, he says, these people, their eyes are full of adultery. Adultery. What's the definition of adultery? Adultery. It's when a married person has sexual relations outside of their marriage it is adultery. Scripture's pretty harsh on adultery. Preachers sometimes get in trouble with people in the congregation because scripture they're just preaching scripture and and it it kind of tags people. You know th- this is this is one of the common things that that when you're talking to people, when you're doing marriage counseling with people, and you get to the topic of living together before you're married, and they're saying, well, hold on a second. You got a whole bunch of, uh, of people who are, you know, they're committing adultery in as eyes of Scripture. I mean, that's the first thing they want to throw up. We need to be careful of that. Amen? We really do. So, he says their eyes are full of adultery, Church, what this means is is that they cannot look at a woman without having lust in their hearts. Cannot. Brother Kyle, I mean, every, every woman. They cannot look at a woman without having lust in their hearts. And you can see them. They're sizing you up. Listen, I know how this feels. Women size me up all the time, Justin. But that, I mean, they size you up. They just look at you. And sometimes women can spot it, and you busted. You know how I know? Because back before I met Amy, I mean, I'd get busted every now and then. I mean, every living man has been busted looking at a woman just a little too close. Look at Mr. Holman. He's saying, that's right. I mean, it's the truth. God made women to be beautiful in the sight of man. That's the truth. But you ought not burn in lust for every single one of them. Amen. And that's what he's saying about these. He says they, their eyes are full of adultery. He says this. He says, they're always looking for sin. And they're not looking for your sin. And they're, not, they're definitely not looking to expose the sin in their lives. What he's talking about is this. This gives us the understanding that these people were perfectly aware of what sin is. They knew. They knew Gary Page They knew what sin was. And they looked for it to enjoy. They look to enjoy it. He then says this. These false teachers, they seduce unstable people. Y'all see that happening? They seduce unstable people. What they see is they see somebody who's, I mean, they're, they're, they're not all right there and and they come in and they try to feed them something that's not real and these people who are unstable they they believe it do you know how to keep from being unstable to be scripturally knowledgeable scripturally knowledgeable Listen, we, we see this unstable people being seduced. We see this all the time right here in our neighborhood. Neighborhood, People who are unstable through addictions are persuaded to do things that in their right mind they would never in their life do. They would never in their life do. There, there's some people that I've, I've grown very fond of here in the neighborhood, and they come and they they get food from us on, on you know, sometimes... Weekly, we'll just give them a little bit of food, and you know the difference after a period of time. When somebody comes, pulls up, and they're in this, you know, shiny brand new car, brand new T-shirt, brand new tennis shoe. Or can I have some food? Well, you were just here last week. We only do it once a month, but you know when somebody needs food. Amen, Becky. Amen, Deborah. I mean, you you know, and, and you'll give it to them. But listen. I, I love some of the people who live in our neighborhood, but I know that they are bound by addiction and they're, they're, they're doing things that if they, ever, if they ever sat down and really thought about what they were doing, and I'm sure they have, it would break their heart the way it breaks my heart and the way it breaks God's heart. Our scripture also tells us that, that their hearts, these people's hearts are trained in greed. Greed. Their hearts are trained in greed. And what that means is their number one motivating factor for doing anything, they do it for greed. They do it for who? Themselves. That's their only motivating factor. How how can I look better? How how can people applaud me more? How can people put me on a different plateau? how, How can I be appreciated more? Peter calls these teachers, in the end, he calls them accursed John Philip says this about Peter's proclamation of cursed. Peter mentions their damnation, their accursedness. He calls them accursed. They are born under a curse. And for all their places of power and influence in in the church and institutions, they have never known the touch of God's saving in their lives. The title accursed is reminiscent to the Lord's declaration of Judas as the son of of perdition. Peter then gives an Old Testament illustration seen in verse 15. Verse 15 says, By abandoning the straight path, they have gone astray and have followed the path of Balaam, the son of Bosar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but received a rebuke for the transgression And a speechless donkey spoke a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Who do you think verse 15 may have been written for? Who do you think verse 15 may have been written for? Jews in the crowd. Jews who were in the crowd. Church, understand that a pagan only knew of a pagan way. But a person who is raised as a Jew knew of the right path, knew the right way, and chooses to follow the way of the world. Peter is talking about, this is who Peter is talking about when he says they followed the path of Balaam. What we can learn tonight From this lesson. We've got to know scripture. We've got to know scripture. We've got to know scripture. We must know scripture. We must be careful in accepting people. To quickly and quickly elevating them to positions in the church. How are we, Chevis Oaks Baptist Church. How are we setting a safeguard in place that this doesn't happen anybody know according to the chevis oaks constitution and bylaws if a person joins the church they must be a member of this church for how many, how long before they can serve in a, in a directorship position one year one year when I first came, I mean, listen, I, I, I've had my last church, I I, I memorized the Constitution and Bylaws. There wasn't anything like that. Uh, before I was a pastor, I didn't really, I mean, I looked at them, I knew what the Constitution and Bylaws were, and we had to amend the Constitution and Bylaws. But when I first came here and I saw that, and I was like, man, that's, you know, what What if a former pastor comes? That's kind of rough. What, what if, you know, what if somebody comes who's, you know, a missionary comes to our church and, and, uh. You know, they they join our church and they want to teach. And they, Man, that's a year, that's that's awful hard. No, it's not. A year flies by, just like that, number one. Number two, they might have been a pastor of a mega church, but we don't know them people. We don't know who they are. They might they might have been on the mission field for 150 years, but we don't know what they did while they were on the mission field. Well, how do we ever learn? A year. A year. Now, when I first came here, Brother Frank and I saw that I was like, "Yeah," because I believe it was you or Gary one that I asked if I could see the constitution and bylaws just to familiarize myself with it before y'all even voted on on me, <clears throat> so I could learn a little bit about the church. I was like, "Yeah, man, that's yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of crazy." Now I'm thinking, man, that's one of the smartest things I've ever seen in all my life. We must evaluate ourselves that we are what we need to be to be of service of the lord let me ask yourself what do you see when you see yourself especially in light of the scripture that we read tonight i'm gonna to tell you a little secret when i read this the first time i was reading it just for the first time when i read it the second time there were some things in there i'm just like hmm when I read it through the third time Holy Spirit says you might want to change and tweak on this. You might need a little work on this. When you look at yourself in light of this scripture what do you see? Let's pray. Father we thank you for this day. Lord it was so good to be back in, in church. I thank you for allowing me and this church allowing me to take care of my mom. But Lord I, I thank you for getting me through to the point where I can come back. And I I, I so enjoyed today. Lord, I pray that you would be with us right now, be with us in days to come. Help us, Lord, to be what you created us to be. If there be anybody here tonight that just needs to come and spend some time at the altar with you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would direct them to do that very thing. In Jesus' name I do pray. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to come, the altar is open.